When I started, I wasn't even a bill. I was just an idea. Some folks back home decided they wanted a law passed, so they called their local congressman, and he said, you're right, there ought to be a law. Then he sat down and wrote me out and introduced me to Congress, and I became a bill. And I'll remain a bill until they decide to make me a law. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a March 4th, 1972, by all accounts, was a beautiful day. Sunshine. It was early spring, and kids were excited to get out of school and head home. As they got on the bus and to head home, the bus driver was a relatively new guy. He had only been on the job for about a week, part-time fireman the rest of the time. But he was, like most bus drivers of that era, excited to do his job, but at the same time, maybe not as cautious as people are today. He approached the Gilcrest Crossing, it looks today, train was approaching, bus driver decided that he could beat the train. You might already know where this is going, but stay with me here. He did not succeed bus was instantly cut in half, was thrown nearly a mile down the tracks before the train could come to a complete stop. The bus was absolutely ripped apart, and perhaps in many ways, the biggest miracle of the day was that at the initial incident, only three students were killed, 40 were injured but three were killed outright at the, at the accident. As it happened, two more would succumb to their injuries over the next day or so. For a total of five children killed in Nynak, and the bus didn't beat the train across the tracks. The driver was indicted, indicted for militia, or not malicious, but uh, the word. Back for a day, and my words are already going. He was uh, he was negligent homicide, criminally negligent homicide. He was indicted for. He would be after a trial, found guilty, and his sentence in the death of the five students and the injuring of forty more was seen at the time as being pretty stiff. He was sentenced to probation. Judge's words to him were, you will be punished every day the rest of your life. By all accounts, he was. Today, almost no one remembers March 24th, 1972. Five students would lose their life in what was a very preventable accident, a very preventable thing that happened. It was national but not as much as you might think. I don't remember it. I have no, no recollection of it at all. None. I went back and looked through the newspapers of that day, and it isn't until days later that it begins to make appearance, newspapers where I grew up. And it was one of those things where people looked at it and went, he gambled and he lost. 
It cost five children's lives. For the rest of his life, driver would be punished. One would ever really forget when he died, his obituary even includes he was the bus driver when he tried to run the train and killed, well, kids got killed. You may not know that story. It may be new to you, you may never have heard of it. But I guarantee you, you've heard of it. You just didn't realize that you heard of it. 1976, Saturday morning cartoons were still a thing. And yes, I was one of those kiddies that was up watching <clears throat> Schoolhouse Rock. We all were. And of course, the most famous of all the Schoolhouse Rock episodes, which are legion, by the way. In fact, I still have a DVD with all of them on it. I have a, an album, a CD album that where the songs were covered by modern groups. It's, it's fantastic stuff. Most famous of them all, I'm just a bill. John and I did an episode, Constitution Thursday in 2013, called I'm Just a Bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. There were generations of us raised on that song. I still wear my T-shirt, even though it's got ink stains on it and everything else. I'm just a bill. And every time I wear this shirt, I get comments on it. People walk up to me and they sing, I'm just a bill. And we have a great time. Fantastic stuff. It's a song that taught us something. Generations of us grew up hearing that song. Probably still sing most of it today. And what did it teach us? Well, it taught us how a bill <laughs> becomes a law, right? And it tells us this story. It tells us a story of a group of people who are concerned. Why are they concerned? Because the school bus doesn't have to stop when it crosses the train tracks. Someone says, there ought to be a law. Mm. Four years after the Nynak incident, Hillcrest Crossing incident, I'm just a bill, Schoolhouse Rock, took that little incident and wove it into an incredible story about how the bill becomes the law. The bill goes to Washington, D.C., where congressmen negotiate over it, you know, and they, they talk about it, and there ought to be a law, and they debate it. Maybe it gets out of committee, and maybe it doesn't get it, and then it goes to the other side of the House, and then it comes back, and then, and then maybe, if we're all lucky, the president signs the bill. The bill comes a law. Everybody's happy. This Bill and his friends and the congressmen have saved the day. And they have made us a law. This particular case, a law that buses must stop at, cross, at railroad crossings. And we have spent generations learning this. We have grown up. I'm in my 58th year. I've been singing that song since 1976. In fact, if you go back to the 2013 episodes, Constitution Thursday, you will find that I'm very excited about doing that episode. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. Except we 
didn't really learn how a bill becomes law, did we? Did not. I think we did. Not. The great COVID relief slash funding bill of 2020 passed the Congress with basically a veto-proof majority, the great fanfare, and <laughs> political intrigue. Now, you can argue all the politics you want. Nancy Pelosi delayed this bill because it would have been an advantage to Trump, or you can argue the other side of the whole thing. It doesn't really matter to me. But it really doesn't seem to be much of a, a political divide about everybody's not happy about this bill. Outrage over the pittance that our government has deigned to put upon us as a benefit for screwing us out of, you know, everything for the last nine months, ten months, whatever it's been. By the way, I still haven't gotten mine, so there's that. Everybody else has. Well, I haven't got mine. I don't know what's going on there, but anyway, neither here nor there. Except that I keep checking my bank account every, like, five minutes. <clears throat> which is kind of a sad state of affairs. But even my own congressman, when he was interviewed the day that it passed, made the comments that, well, he agrees. $600 just isn't enough. But, he said, but it's just a very small part of a very large bill. And there are other things in it that we need to take into account. What are some of those things that we needed to take into account? Well, there were some provisions of this law. No doubt you have gone to your favorite conservative site and you've spent the last two weeks tearing this apart because we all have. There are things like foreign aid, the nation's some unfriendly, some friendly, some friendlier than others. I think the big one that stands out is the gender studies thing in, in Pakistan. Raise your hand if you really think that money is going to be used for gender studies in Pakistan. <clears throat> yep, that's what I thought. There's the mental health of farmers. That's in the bill. You haven't read that? Yeah, it's, it's actually in there. Uh, they are deeply concerned about the mental health of farmers being affected by COVID. And so there's some $28 million. Yes, $28 million for state agricultural departments to fund programs aimed at confronting farmers' mental health crises and stress. There's transportation money. <laughs> There's money. What, $15 billion to support airlines' payrolls, to pay people that work for airlines. Another billion to Amtrak, but at this point, I mean, it's Amtrak, for God's sakes. Um, I don't know how much more money we can pour down that, but might as well keep going, right? $655 million for the Northeast Corridor, $344 million for the National Network, $2 billion for airports, and $2 billion split between the motor coach, school bus, and ferry industries. You know, the people that build those things. Yeah, that's in there. Rural broadband is in here. $300 million to provide rural broadband internet for the government is going to provide internet for people that live in rural areas. Whoa, whoa, removal. This is in the bill. $1.9 billion to rip and replace efforts related to Huawei and ZTE equipment in U.S. networks and U.S. networks. So you remember that 
the president has been whining about the Chinese now for four years and their infestation of our software, hardware, and networks. Well, <laughs> apparently these two companies, Huawei and CTE, have put in a lot of the infrastructure. And we're going to spend $1.9 billion ripping all of that infrastructure out, which presumably will then have to be replaced, so that these two companies cannot benefit in whatever way that might mean, whether that's spying or financially. United States Postal Service. $10 billion in direct funding to the USPS with no required repayment. Funds are being used for operational costs and other expenses resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic. I have no idea what those would be. Mail didn't really change, did it? But I guess maybe it did. And of course, the murder hornets. Yes, I'm not kidding. There is $20 million in the COVID-19 funding bill to eradicate murder hornets. It's called the Murder Hornet Eradication Pilot Program. Now, I did some I did some looking, but you know, by my numbers, and I'm and these are just my numbers. This is just me cruising around the internet for a couple hours. I think there were 30 confirmed sightings of murder hornets in the United States, which works out to about just a little over 666,000, <coughs> 666,000 uh, per murder hornet to eradicate them. And yeah, I know there's probably more, but nobody's proved it. So there you go. In the middle of all this, though, there's one other provision of this, and there are thousands, folks. We could spend days looking at this, but there's another one that, that I found interesting. There is a pr provision in the bill that requires the President of the United States to provide a certification. Now, Chuck Callisto tweeted that it nullifies the President's use of the Insurrection Act, but that's not really what it does. What it actually does is it provides that the president must provide a certification to Congress before he invokes the 1807 Insurrection Act and sends the United States military in to suppress an insurrection. Now, what's that about, I hear you cry? Well, this was introduced at a time when the president was making noises about sending the military in to suppress BLM protests, Antifa protests being held around the country when local leaders were refusing to act. And there were people on both sides who were blasting the president, as Tucker Carlson put it, for not being tough enough amid the unrest, for not sending in the troops, as it were. There were people on the left who were upset about it, but there were more people who were concerned that the president might actually do this. And so in July of last year, a Texas representative introduced a amendment, an amendment to the bill that was being debated. Remember, they've been debating this bill, this assistance funding bill for nine, well, 10 months by the time it finally got signed. But back in July, this, this, this congressperson from Texas 
introduced this bill to require the president to provide Congress with a certification, whatever that might mean, saying, I'm going to use the Insurrection Act because this is out of control. As you can see now, it is being presented by conservatives and the blogosphere on the conservative side as a bad thing. We're tying the president's hands. He cannot use the Insurrection Act to put down Antifa and BLM. Think back to July and what was going on then. And how do you think this debate went in Congress? How do you think the debate went? Keeping in mind that the final bill passed overwhelmingly, even though my own congressman says, well, it really wasn't enough, but it's just a small part of a big bill, so you go. Think about this for just a moment. The amendment passed in July. It was added to the bill in July, which would still then be debated, the entirety of the bill, July, August, September, October, November, December, for another six months. <clears throat> Got it? The bill, the amendment, originally passed along the party lines of the House, as you would expect, and the Senate, as you would, might be surprised that it passed the Senate, but the, 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 the amendment passed in the House along party lines. After a, are you ready for this? Are you, are you paying attention for this? Are you listening to this? After a 10-minute debate over whether or not the president should be required to provide certification prior to invoking the Insurrection Act to suppress riots. Ten minutes. They debated this for ten minutes. House representatives of the Congress of the United States passed it along party lines, inserted it into the bill, which six months later would finally pass overwhelmingly even though Republicans knew that was in there, so that you could get your $600. I'm a conservative constitutionalist. I'm an originalist. I'm a big believer that power should be limited. And that, like the framers believed, Congress, closest house to the people, should have the most power. So if Congress says to the president, before you send in the military to shoot at our fellow citizens for any reason, shouldn't you tell us why you're doing it first and have, you know, kind of our oversight of it? Even though we passed a law back in 1807, essentially devolving that to you. Well, maybe now we're kind of reining that in and say, mm, no. And instead of saying, well, because I don't like the people who are rioting now, shouldn't I be saying, as a conservative originalist constitutionalist, shouldn't I be saying, duh, that's the way it should have been all along. But no, now conservatives are saying, wait, they're tying the president's hands. He can't go in and crush Antifa or BLM. But shouldn't we be in favor of limits on presidential power? Wait. Once upon a time, 
we thought a bill became a law because it was moral, it was right, it served a purpose. Whether that purpose was something as simple as saying there ought to be a law that buses have to school buses have to stop at cross railroad crossings to keep our students safe. It could have been that simple. And we all thought that's how the process worked. We all thought a law was proposed, it was debated, it was considered, it went back to committee, it went to the college, and eventually, if it was a bill, if it was a good law, the president would sign it, I'm just the bill would become I'm a law. But if we've seen nothing else in the last two weeks, what we ought to be seeing very clearly now is that's not how laws are made in this country, is it? We thought because we sang that song, I'm just a bill, that we understood the process, but we don't have a clue what the process is. We didn't have a clue back in July that the United States Congress spent 10 freaking minutes arguing about debating whether or not the president should have to follow the Constitution or not. And then it passed along party lines, meaning that basically half, just under half the Congress was basically at that point saying, no, he shouldn't have to. And then they completely reversed themselves six months later and said, well, yeah, we're okay with it. And now we're supposed to blog and scream and yell because we're conservatives and we're on talk shows and we're supposed to rile you up and say, these people have given Antifa and BLM free reign. The president can't stop them anymore. Pardon me, but I'm just confused as all get out because I thought that's what he was supposed to do. By the way, a couple of things, just a couple that I want you to think about before I wrap up today. Number one, you know that this was how a bill was made into law that has nothing to do with a song from 1976 that was based on a 1972 incident? Did you know that? Did, did, do you feel like your eyes are opening up and all of a sudden you're realizing that, wait, <laughs> this isn't how this really works. I mean, it's how it's supposed to work. But by the time these lunatics in Congress get done with it, you have a trillion dollar, whatever, nine trillion, whatever, however much that stupid bill was, that's been debated for seven months including whether or not the president should have to follow the Constitution, a law. And oh, by the way, here's $600 of your money back that uh, we figure we can fund you with while at the same time funding gender studies in Pakistan and giving Egypt money to buy guns. Second thing I want you to think about is we sing that song, I'm just the bill. And as we remember those kids in Nynak, we think about the way that Bill saw the bill process has been mangled and overturned and EO'd to death by all presidents of all stripes. Second thing I want you to realize is that, did you know that it never actually became a law asked debated and passed and signed by the President of the United States that school buses should have to stop 
at crossings. Yeah, I, I said that. It never actually became a law. It was never introduced. It was never debated. It was never voted on. It never passed, never signed by the President of the United States. Instead, a regulatory agency appointed by the executive branch, authorized by the Congress of the United States, decided, called the Department of Transportation, decided to enact rules. Bureaucrats enacted rules saying that from now on, your crossings have to have crossing guards and sounds and alarms and everything else, including the one at Gilcrest Crossing in Nynack, New York. Starts to make me wonder if the anti-federalist Brutus was on to something, because clearly the way we're passing laws isn't what it's supposed to be. And while we're all upset about the pittance that our government has given us, or in my case, it hasn't given me yet, we're missing the bigger picture. That 536 people in Washington, D.C. are ruling over us by fiat. And I don't give a flying flip what you think is best. They're telling you what's best. And I'm reasonably sure that that ain't what we learned in that song, is it? <laughs>